And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. We're here. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Russ Rosso, here with John Penn, CFP's Squared. Thanks for being with us today. I feel like I'm barely breathing. A lot of coffee this morning. <laughs> On a beautiful Friday there morning. There is not enough coffee this morning. That's it. Man. We were talking before the show. You just maybe you may see me just pour a cup of coffee directly <laughs> over my head. I'll just take a shower and some coffee this morning. I'm sure the ladies on YouTube would really like that. Come on, man. Yo, I feel so good. Thank you. Come there on. There it is. Come on, ladies. I do need some cream and sugar. <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows this morning, folks. Brent's already shaking his head, and the music doesn't even stop yet. <laughs> I think he's trying to keep it covered. <laughs> Oh, man. So yesterday was sort of a kibosh for markets. Um, we were squishy. Squishy is a good word. Dow futures today are sort of squishy, too. Futures up 34 on the Dow NASDAQ. Down um, 29. Uh, of course, every word Powell says, that's what we... It used to be fundamentals and cash flows and all this stuff. Now it's just what the Fed says, of course. So Powell yesterday was talking about that, uh, hey, the Fed is more likely to tighten policy than to ease. And I have been in this little, little camp, very little camp, me and Larry Summers playing checkers in the corner, crying like little girls, that the Fed was going to raise rates again next year. And I am still in this camp, even though everyone's talking about the Fed lowering rates. And I do think it has to do with the obstinate consumer. We're going to talk a little bit about spending habits lately, spending into oblivion, as I call it. Uh, we have consumer sentiment out 10 a.m. Eastern time, which probably is on the M index of miserable. And the more miserable Americans are, the more they spend. So we'll see how that that plays out. Um, you are seeing if you look at the wage growth tracker from the Atlanta Fed. Sure. Median wage growth is off its high from 2022, but it's still very, very stubborn. It is not falling at the rate it probably needs to. And with, with the labor market still tight, my thought is the Fed has one more rate hike in it. You, or at least the market has to stop believing John, that the Fed is really aggressively going to look to lower rates next year. Maybe that's true, but I, I just don't see it. And again, everybody's guess is as good as mine. Uh, I am, you know, I just, when I look at wage growth, when you go and just, listen, social science, economics, we all have opinions on it. We live in the soup, right? Go drive around. There are still wanted signs around. People are still... There are still jobs that are needed. There are also companies that are holding on to workers longer because they need them. So that wage growth tracker is not falling, I think, as quickly as it needs to. And it has a long way to go before you get to where it was 
when the Fed's target was 2%. So I think it's going to be the rate of that velocity change, John, next year. Uh, if the consumer unless is exhausted, which does seem to be close to the case, but just when I think the consumer's out, it's like Rocky. They come, they come back. <laughs> like in the 10th round. Go yeah, on. right. You're like, you know, pound for pound there. You know, and, the, you know, too, like what you were saying earlier, Rich, mm. with kind of all eyes on the Fed. You know, what is the Fed going to say? And then how is the market going to react to that in the, for a while there? And it's still this way, too. I mean, it was like all eyes were on the yield of the 10-year Treasury. Yes. Right? And so... And we did of, have a spike in that did yesterday, didn't we? We did. Yeah. So, but it's, it's pulled back a little bit. It's, you know, where is it this morning? I think it was around 4.6 4. the last 6 time I checked. 4.6 or so, yeah. So, but, so yields have pulled back a little bit. So, you know, investors out there, you've seen a little bit lift in your bond prices. You know, last week was a good week in the market. You <laughs> had a you had strong equities last week. So it kind of makes you feel good as an investor. And boy, I kind of, mm -hmm. my accounts are growing. So maybe I should go out there and spend a little bit more money. Right. So there's there's that psychology of there of that there, too. So to, to your point, just when you think maybe the consumer might not be spending as much, we you know, these these yields coming down. And if there's still a robust equity market. Yeah, that's still, you know, in your camp, that kind of tilts to the Fed, possibly raising some rates. Well, and, and, and Powell, I'm sure Powell saw that move in the market last week and got a little bit disorganized. I bet Janet Yellen was a little bit unsteady. I feel woozy. I feel woozy. I'm meeting with China this week, and guess what? They better not feed me any magic mushrooms because I know what I did last time. I was dancing on a table, and it broke. That has nothing to do with me. They don't make tables like they used to. So I think Powell has to talk a big game. He has to make sure to talk the markets down. Otherwise, I do think... As long as the uh, the economy stays strong, and again, I just I, I focus in on wages. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at real wage growth for any every quintile, I don't care if you're in the top five percent of wage earners or the bottom, your real wages are down from a twenty twenty one peak. That does add to the consumer sentiment and your misery index, but believe it or not, so the, so um, Bankrate does these surveys uh, on. I think they do a good job because they, they have a wide swath of the economy that use them, right? It's not just the upper level. It's a, I mean, I think they get some good median kind of data. Only about 20% of Americans increased their emergency savings this year. Yet, surprisingly, 60% of people feel like they're, they haven't saved enough for possible financial hardships in the light of inflation, so you are seeing a drain in emergency savings. We're going to talk a little bit later about credit card debt, right? Um, these interest rates we have not seen in our lifetime. The national average annual rate, APR, on all credit cards is a record 20.72%. Again, that's just average. We know where store cards are. We know what your rate is probably. Closer to 25 26%, right? So yet... And outstanding balances are close to $6,000 for revolving credit from the, from the Federal Reserve report. So people are spending, and I do think it's because, John, they feel, they feel, they feel secure about their jobs. They do. They well, feel like they can't lose their jobs. Even though they're not job hopping like they were, they just feel like their jobs are secure. So I think the Fed has to continue to press on this nerve. For now, it's language. For now, it's language, and language will work. But I think when push comes to shove, 
Now, I know that people are going to say it's an election year next year and blah, 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 blah. I still think that unlike, I'm going to get a lot of slack for this. I don't see Powell as much of a political animal as Janet Yellen. I think his legacy is more important to him. I don't think he wants to be an Arthur Burns. I think he wants to make sure that he is the one that gets this thing under control. Alcohol stocks to go with the misery index. <laughs> that sounds like a good country song. Alcohol and misery go together like me and my magic mushrooms. We'll be right back. Life is an illusion. Can't you see that love is everywhere? Step into the confusion. Can't you hear the sound that's in the air? Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. I don't understand. I'm seeing on YouTube that they're saying that John Penn was doing a Janet Yellen impression. Didn't happen. I can't do that justice. Okay. It would be like a very white I mean, version it of would Janet be, It would be Yellen. like Janet Yellen with a chest cold, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would be like, uh, <coughs> it's like Janet Yellen. You kind of sound like you have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, Janet be not yelling. She would you not know, be. Janet's voice has to be high-pitched and grating, sort of like mine. <laughs> So you have to keep that in mind. Can't be <laughs> low in baritone and be resonating. Give me your music requests, okay. ladies. You see and the gentlemen. ladies at home raising the bass button on their radio dial. Bass, bass, <laughs> whatever. Tomato, tomato. It's all good. You call it bass. You call it bass. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of fish this morning. I don't know. Yes, I'd like to be in a stream like Danny is somewhere right now. He is, right? I don't know where he is. He he disappears. I think he goes like, today's Friday. I'm going to go in the middle of nowhere, Texas, just to avoid him. <laughs> They're gonna, we're going to have a new show called Ratliff Avoids Rosso coming up next year. Kind of a, where is Ratliff? <laughs> where is Ratliff? Where's Ratliff? That would be a great show. Um... So these bank rate studies really are very good. So this is what's disconcerting to me. Uh, people are carrying more debt for longer periods of time. So six out of 10 cardholders who carry a balance have been in credit card debt for at least a year. That's up from 50% over two years ago, according to bank rate. That's because when we were sitting at home and we were building up all those wonderful coffers, those cash coffers, and looking at that savings rate, I thought I was one of those jerks who thought, oh, people have learned a lesson, John. They're, they learned a lesson and they're going to go ahead and they're going to save more. They understand they need to save for a rainy day or put the financial vulnerability cushion because bad things happen. Nope. 
drain those, go right to the credit cards, keep your outstanding balance. And again, we're going to, we're looking at fairly robust um, retail spending season. It's here. <laughs> it is hard here. to believe. I saw I saw a Christmas tree in a. I was driving and there was one in a window. I was like, oh my gosh, it's here. Saw the uh, there's a neighbor in the one oh. of the houses in the neighborhood that has the the leg lamp from a Christmas story. Yeah, it's about this time of year. You oh, see it glowing <laughs> in the window. It's like, man, I can't believe we're here. But it, that that is the sign right there. It's John, like when you see the leg lamp. John moves a chair to his window so he could see it across the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife, Shauna, what are you doing, honey? Nothing. We live in Houston. That leg lamp's a weapon. <laughs> it is a weapon. <laughs> how'd you how'd you uh, how'd you keep the robbers at bay? Leg lamp. <clears throat> That's all you got to say. <laughs> Leg lamp. That's still a great film. Um, so now you're coming into holiday spending season. We always talk about this. It's a little early to talk about it, but hey, it's already here. You ever see when you know, people put those blowies on their uh, front lawn and it's the, <laughs> it's the Thanksgiving turkey and the Santa Claus is flat on the ground and the turkey's over it and they put a sign up there. Wait your turn, fat boy. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty creative. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. <laughs> like, stop rushing it. But it is a good time to sort of put your budget together mm-hmm. for how much you're going to spend. I keep track of that every year. So I know um, how much I've spent, what my trend is. Unfortunately, I never go backwards. I don't go forwards with such velocity, but I never really go backwards. Although the tickets to Santa's Wonderland really brought me over the edge. The Santa's Wonderland, which is a place in College Station that used to be this really campy, cool little place you used to go for fun and low cost. Um, and I've, been, I've taken my daughter there for 20 years. Like, when she was young, I found it just by accident. Now, it is an incredible business. <laughs> it has to be next to Bucky's. It has to be one of the most incredible businesses. So, how much do you think, John, I'm going to give you an idea. You're going to come up with a cost for me. Okay. Two adults, three children, entrance, parking, some stuff of moving ahead of the line. Uh, no, 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 none of the special stuff. None of the like the hay rides or anything like that, but just the basics. How much do you think that costs? So did you have to... Is there like priority parking where you have to? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. So you, have the, you have the you have the reindeer lot. You have the prancer lot. Then you have the Scrooge lot, and that's the prancer lot. Yeah. You say we're gonna prance. Sorry, I couldn't help. You got to prance to the. You got to prance to the front, <laughs> but it's still closer than the Scrooge lot. I think I think Brent's on the floor right now. Yeah, Brent is. Um, he just so does. let's see. So with parking, I four hundred fifty dollars. Six hundred and twenty dollars. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I would prance. I think I'd prance back to the prancer parking lot after that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going well, to mo- get the most out of every penny that night. Just put it. Hey, do what? Just I'm going to be there from card. the open to the close. Right. I mean, hey, I just got. I'm a- sitting on Santa's lap. I'm pulling his beard. I'm uh, whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to go home with a light fixture from the the displays. I am. I am going to make the most of those tickets. So just, did you, so I you, and you haven't gone into the gift shop yet. Oh my gosh, you're going to be. It's going to be another. A, it'll and be a food, grand and food. It'll be a grand. It'll be close to that. Yeah, 
Well, look, I just got my uh, mailer this week about a credit card promotion, new credit card with a rate of 29%. That sounds like a deal. You just hear, you want you want to use that? Oh my goodness. I'm So really $600 just for $620. Wow. And by the time you get the hot chocolate and you go through the hayride and um and all the other stuff, you're again, you're talking about probably close to $900. And I would imagine, I mean, with your experience of going there before, it's usually packed, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. How many people you think that, are going to? And go that's the there? thing. It's it's packed. It's packed. And I'm like, how do people do it? How do people do mm-hmm. it? Because this used to be some fun, low cost way to get the keep the kids entertained. Yeah, bro. I used to bring my kid there, sit her in front of the fire, and go have some eggnog, and then come find her later. And she's like, oh, pretty fire, pretty. She never went in it, but <laughs> And then they had all the little shops, but now they have built it out. And it is, I wish, I was sort of shocked. You know, as I was adding, you, they, you nickel and dime you for every little thing, mm-hmm. right? Like park, this, that, whatever it is. And you're like, oh my goodness gracious, what is this going to add up to? You wonder why demographics are where they are. <laughs> why people don't have this many children anymore. It's such it's so expensive to do stuff like that. Um so I don't know when I'll be going back <laughs> after this fit. I might stay there a couple of days for that price. <laughs> Sleep you, in the park. I would say with with that you should. But you know, but to your point, you've yeah. you've already been looking at what you've you've already accounted for it within your budget, no, right? No, I already accounted that. I already had it. So to your point, which is a good one. Albeit it was closer to five hundred, four hundred, five hundred in the budget, but I have bandwidth in mm-hmm. the budget. So, but I do keep a budget of where this is going to come from. Unlike the government that just says we're going to spend, I have to take from somewhere else and move it somewhere else. Right? That's what we do. That's what households generally do. Right? And that's uh, <laughs> for six hundred twenty dollars. You get to see Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> No, you get to see like uh I don't know if that would cover it. What's his name? His name is Marshall Frostbite in a Taylor Swift outfit. So um or something. Marshall Frostbite. Who's like a big snowman with a sheriff's hat. You get the he he, he belts out a Taylor Swift song for you. Um for that price. But I don't know if kids are worth it then and they'll enjoy it, but and but I'm like, boy, if you have two to three children and you got to raise them and go ahead and put them through school. Well, you have two that you've two daughters. Adult, yeah. yeah. Our oldest, our oldest graduated from college earlier this year and uh, our youngest, uh, she started her uh, junior year mm-hmm. in college. So, I, I mean, I mean, you know, coming up through school and yep. college expenses and you know, just, you know, your basic living expenses, just running your household alone. Right. Right. I mean, is, is a, is a challenge enough, right? Well, as Brent put on on the uh, computer today, more grocery stores installing defibrillators at checkout for when you see your total. So this is another thing, John, about this inflation. China's going to go through some form of deflation, and I'm not unhappy for them, whatever they go through. But um, I'm. it's going to take a while for prices to actually go down. We understand the rate of change is slowing. 
But there's no way in heck you're going to go to a grocery store and you're going to get a deal or go back to where you were pre-pandemic. I don't see those prices coming back. I mean, the, the bar has been raised, so then you'll go to shrinkflation. By the time you get to any kind of disinflation or deflation in these prices, something serious has to happen. And Lance talks about this all the time. If we do have a recession, it may, it's not the, it, it will probably not be the financial crisis kind of thing we remember. Matter of fact, I've always been a big proponent, like Japan, we would go pop in and out of inflation, of uh, recession over time. In other words, like a stagflation light kind of thing where you go negative, then you get positive. Like you're just sluggish from all the debt right, and productivity is where we are in demographics, that we would just be in this rut from a growth perspective. And that could happen. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, hey, HSA funds, excellent savings vehicles. But what about distributions? When should you do it? When we get back. Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. You know, how do you get Danny to get to do the show on Friday? You know how you encourage him? You talk about health savings accounts. He gets all crazy. It is his favorite. It is his favorite, yeah. Yeah. When his when his, when Mrs. Ratliff gets out of bed, his HSA statement takes her place. <laughs> he's he's in love with his HSA. <laughs> now, I will tell you they are excellent triple tax free savings vehicles. And people don't ask about distributions or how to take money out. Because there's a problem in this industry, financial industry. Most advisors will have clients use their HSA as a checking account, as a health spending account, not a health savings account. Because when you put money in to an HSA, if you have, say, an eligible high deductible plan, you can put in over $4,000 for a, an individual, over $8,000 for a family. It's substantial. And more and more companies are using these high deductible plans. But the beauty of trying to do this, and again, many companies, John, because they're going to save costs, they might even put a little bit of a match in there, mm -hmm. an incentive for you to go with the high deductible plan and contribute to the HSA. We're big fans of if you're going to contribute to your plans, right? You can get now it's open enrollment season, right? First of all, you've got to make sure you've got at least six months to a year's worth of living expenses in cash. 
If you don't, then you're going to contribute up to the match in your in your your retirement account and up to at least the match in your HSA. Once you get that savings account done, you can start bolstering these two legs, preferably Roth. But HSA should be considered a 401k for your retirement and not touched. You need a mental lockbox around that money. You put it in, you can allocate it among different choices of mutual funds. There, it is not a flexible spending account. You do not need to take the money out. But you were sharing something, John, about, and again, there's another thousand bucks for catch up provision if you're 55 and older. So these are really super kinds of accounts to put money away tax free, completely tax, you know, comes right off your gross income, right? It's not even there. Not only, but it's not taxed on the way out if used for the right things. But we have to teach our kids and our grandkids when they get that open enrollment to not ignore that health savings account. And to, and to make sure that they're looking at it as an equal contribution to what they're doing in their retirement account, don't you think? Yeah, it, and the, you know, the, those qualified, the, the distributions that can come out tax-free for mm-hmm. qualified medical expenses, mm-hmm. you know, that, that range or the variety of expenses that qualify for to be a qualified medical expense, it's pretty yeah. broad. So you can, you can reference IRS Publication 502. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's spelled out pretty nicely in there about what a qualified medical expense is. Um, so, but yes, yeah, so we we're talking a little bit about open enrollment and HSA. So, our oldest daughter, it's it's you know she like I said earlier, she's graduated from college. You know, she's back here in Houston, and she's in her first formal career. You know, staying home with mom and dad right now, and just you know sticking money banking, off to the side, banking right? cash, banking cash. And so, as we were going through her open enrollment, uh, mm-hmm. all of her selections, you know, we we were talking about the health savings account, and I still think there's a there's a lot of education that needs to be done around the health savings account, much like the Roth. There right? needs a used to be huge education around open enrollment. Yes, for, I don't care what age you are, because people do not either look at it, right? They just say, eh, "Do the same benefits mm-hmm. as last year," right? or they don't understand the benefit of taking certain things or doing certain things within the plan, or they're going to go and stick with what their accountant said, which is all pre-tax versus after-tax. Right. It's so important for you to spend, look at that open enrollment package with brand new eyes, like you just went to the company brand new and make sure you go through each over again. Don't just say, ah, I'm just going to do what I did last year. I'm not going to look at it. It's important for you to look at it, but go ahead. Well, it is. No, it's so... So in the in the area where our daughter works at her business, there's a probably a half a dozen or so young adults all around the same age in their kind of their early to mid twenties, mm-hmm. maybe their late twenties, and not one of them. So we were talking our our oldest and I were talking about health savings accounts. Not one of them in there knows what a health savings account is. Like they're all looking at their open enrollment information and they're mm-hmm. all asking each other. What, what is this HSA? How does it work? What, what, why do we even have this as, as a part of our plan? Mm-hmm. Not one in there knew what the, what the HSA is and how it can be used, right? And even if they do, the one thing I notice they're told is, yeah, and then when you get go to the doctor or the dentist, you use it. That's what it's good for. So you're paying for those expenses completely tax-free. So it's almost like you're encouraging participants to use the money as to, as opposed to it being the last account it, that you draw from. 
just like a Roth side, we go through a withdrawal strategy with clients. We look at the best withdrawal strategy for clients as far as they have a diversification of accounts. They have after-tax, pre-tax, tax-free. How do they craft a paycheck that's tax-efficient? So we look at the best withdrawal strategy. And generally speaking, our default is always tax-free or HSA, like Roth or HSA, are at the end of the cycle. That's the last thing you tap. But, but eventually you're going to have to do this because if you leave this money to a non-spouse beneficiary, minus any medical bills, it's whatever's left, right? What happens to that? So you go ahead and leave your HSA to your daughters. Mm-hmm. They can't carry that forward, can they? They have to take that money. In, uh, it, within a year. Mm-hmm. Within a year. That's right. And it's not tax-free anymore. Correct? That's right. So you want to use this wisely in retirement. There's something called the retirement smile. We also have ways of looking at it academically, how to take retirement income. So generally speaking, people will spend more in the active years of retirement, then they'll level off, and then those, those expenses will start to rise. And they do slowly every year. Um, and you sort of peek on the other end of the smile. And that other end of the smile is when you should be spending your HSA money. Because, again, it could be used for what? Medicare premiums. Mm-hmm. Not Medigap. Not Medigap. But your Part B premiums. Certain parts of long-term care. Now, there's a table that's a little complicated for long-term care premiums. There's a table that you have to look at, and I believe it would be in publication 502 as well, mm-hmm. John, right? Mm-hmm. That they have to look at. Um, you also have to look at... Um, Dentist, and again, to your point, there's a lot of expenses that fall in to that HSA. Like I've had clients that now they're in the, they're sort of on that other side of the smile and they're healthy, but they're going for operations and they're doing some things and they go, Rich, should we tap the HSA now? Yes, Mm -hmm. that's what this is for. Now we're going to work on draining this. But they have a nice nest egg. They haven't touched it uh, overall. And that's been perfect. Uh, So um, keep that in mind. Also, if you go on COBRA, you can't use this HSA for COBRA. People think, well, I could pay my my medical premiums, healthcare premiums under COBRA using HSA. I can't. So don't do that. Yeah, you have to be a little careful sometimes with those, what, like an unqualified withdrawal from an HSA. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're younger than 65, you have to watch out because if for an unqualified withdrawal from an HSA, you'll pay ordinary income tax on that amount of money. And if you're younger than 65, in addition to pay or you're going to get you, you get taxed an additional 20 percent. Yeah. Right. So you have to watch for that because that's that's mm-hmm. that's pretty substantial. Right. Right. And that's why this is the account that you touch last. But you got to put money in it. And more and more companies are going to give you a match to a certain degree to encourage you to do that. So when you talk to your kids, call your kids that maybe are not at home and they've got jobs. Hey, did you go through your open enrollment package? 
Tell me a little bit about your benefits. Have this conversation with them. If they need help with their open enrollment package, have them reach out to us. Absolutely. We do it all the time. Have them reach out to us and go through, and we will go through, and they'll go, gosh, that's not what my friends are doing. Roth, HSA, you guys, you sure you guys are financial advisors? You sound short of dumb. Yes, we're going to give you the unorthodox proper information because we're not just, you're not thinking about your retirement, but we're thinking about what you're going to be spending down the road. So that's why it's important to look at this and understand what HSA funds can be used for. Now, there's always going to be some cash that's left in an HSA. In other words, you're always going to have, when you allocate some money, some money will always be in cash just in case you do need to use it to pay for some of your expenses. That's okay. When we get back, we're talking about what would you give up to secure Social Security? Mm. When we get back, Lance, Lance Roberts' favorite topic when we return. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Listen, Gordon, on the YouTube channel, you are on to something. We need VHSAs, veterinarian health savings accounts, because those costs are through the roof or woof. Through the woof. <laughs> woof. Sometimes I bark like a dog in the corner after those magic mushrooms. And the Chinese just laugh at me, but they take me seriously. That would be a great benefit of VHSA. We had we had one of our little fur babies at the vet <laughs> literally about two weeks ago. Yeah, just what did that cost? Do you? some diagnostic. <laughs> Di- they're, they're ma- as soon as you hear yeah, diagnostic. It's like, we need to take a little blood work. Okay, hold on. Let me get my wallet out. All right. But it was like, so was, there's some teeth cleaning coming up. Oh. And, and the vet asked, they said, well, do you, have, do you have pet insurance? And we said, no, I don't have pet insurance. And Pet insurance doesn't even cover half that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then, well, we disclosed in, in our little fur baby, she, she wrestles with a little bit of pancreatitis every once in a while. Uh-huh. And when we said pancreatitis, he was like, well, that's a pre-existing condition. She yeah. probably would. She's probably at high risk. I was like, are you kidding me? It's like, really? V- Where are you, veterinarian lobbyists? Get out there. VHSA. VHSA. Goodness. Gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as you hear the word, the D word, diagnostic, you got to sit. That's right. Because- I, guess, well, I guess I'm not going to eat today. Here you go. I'm going to give you my wallet so we can just pay this instead. <laughs> you ever talk to the whole time Texans? I mean, I love Texas. 
Back in my day, we just let the dog and ate gravy train, and the dog lived, and we didn't care. It got a big thing on his back, and we let it we let it sit there. It got big, and then it, we, it was fine. Yeah, they what fed it biscuits do? and gravy for breakfast what every you, morning. Yeah, what are y'all doing? So it is different for animals today. It is very different. Do you have pet insurance, Richard? So I had pet insurance, yeah. and it was 30 bucks a month hmm. and for three dogs. That was 90 bucks. And then I kept sending bills in like, well, then the deductible started to go higher and higher. And then ultimately it was becoming $200 a dog, $600 a month. So I said, I am canceling this. Like, this is ridiculous. You guys are out of control. Then they sent me a whole thing back about, we're sorry about the loss of your dogs. We know how terrible of a time it is for you. I'm like, you know, you, not only am I, you, you raised my premium, you killed off my pups. They're just sorry about the loss of the revenue. <laughs> That's, That's it. Yeah. It, <laughs> We're sorry for your loss. Pet ins- In premium. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who can, who's going to do $200 a month just for each, if you have multiple dogs? You know, it's not. You just put the money away into a savings account, sock some money away every month. And that's your pet insurance. It used to be pet insurance was affordable and you could understand it. But now, because of the higher veterinarian costs, you've got to do a lot of homework on pet insurance. Well, And because people were using pet health insurance, did that was that a factor in the veterinarian's fees going up? Um, that's possible. I mean, think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think that's also the reason why those premiums have gone up. Because that's what happened on human health care. Right. And I'm thinking yeah. it's following sort of the same lines yeah. on, on health care for, for animals. It's not cheap to go to the vet. I get that for a dog. It's just not. I or mean, it's. You got your kitty cats out there oh, too. Oh, and now. no, you kitty cats. So, well, that's not well, cheap. The reason I mentioned that is, client, that you let just earlier this week, we were going through her financial plan and part of her, you were talking about those financial vulnerable vulnerability cushions you know every month she sets some money aside into what she calls her her pet fund where it's just mm-hmm. money that she's setting off to the side because she had pet insurance at one point but then she canceled it but now she just sets the money aside for that potential expense she is right? very wise yeah peter goes the reason vet costs exploded is because everyone is soft and insane it's a dog <laughs> not your kid <laughs> listen you oh, listen hey <laughs> listen uh mangano <laughs> Rosso's talking to Mangano. I'll meet you in the back later. All right? I'll meet you at the schoolyard. For a lot of people, and I did an article in the New York Times not too long ago, for baby boomers, when their children leave, their animals become very, very important to them. As a source of comfort. Yes. As as companionship. um, And you want to make sure... Like, if you feed your dog healthier up front or your cat healthier up front, you won't have, say, some of these bills. It's cheaper than therapy. It is. It is cheaper than therapy. And it's great to have a pet. I mean, I think it's, I don't know, my house would be too quiet because I'm always screaming at him, get out of there! Stop that! What are you doing? I like, I like what Tim said. If that dog didn't hunt, he was in trouble with my grandpa. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. <laughs> Those are the old... Good old days right there, right? <laughs> Stop humping grandma's leg and get out there in the field. Get supper. So um, Social Security, we always talk about pending insolvency, right? They brought this up at the Republican yeah. presidential debate Wednesday. I didn't think anybody was going to be talking about that. 
Like that is the landmine for both sides. Um, so obviously the full, the full retirement age is 67 if you were born in 1960 or later. John, no one wants to talk about how you really realistically need to raise the full retirement age for the generation before, the, like Danny's generation and Gen Z. That's only feasible. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's you have to look at this system and tweak it for the population and how things are moving forward before you do run into a crisis. And the problem is you can't just take it away or cut it because we have done a lousy job for retirement savings and that has become America's pension. That wasn't the goal of social security when it was created, but it is what it is. And even the wealthiest of people, and I'm not talking about uber wealthy. I'm just talking about people to save their lives. They saved their whole lives. They did all the right things. That social security becomes an important guaranteed income stream, especially when markets haven't done anything. And markets haven't done anything. If you look at the S&P 500, in almost two years, you haven't hit where you were before, right? What was the S&P a couple of years ago? 4,800 mm-hmm. or so, Right. Guaranteed income becomes more and more important, and we know where pensions have gone. They're gone for the most part. So you do have to, like, both parties have to, like, stop looking at this as a political football because they are dealing with people's lives and tweak the retirement ages. So Nikki Haley said what? Uh, We're going to change the rules. We change the retirement age for them. Uh, those have been promised should keep it, but you have to have started. You have to start this discussion. One party will bring it up and then the other party will weaponize it. But you do have to look at this as, or at least create some form of hybrid public private pension system that where the money is locked away and used as some form of guaranteed income stream because it's just a fact of life. You can't have it go away and you can't cut it because, again, too many people depend on it. I don't really know what would happen. A lot of people would be living on Lance's front lawn and he's a get-off-my-lawn guy. And But he's going to be overwhelmed <laughs> yeah, by so, people on his So I, I was surprised, lawn. too, that this actually came up in the debate Right, because it is such a, it's like that landmine that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I can see where, you know, yeah, it makes sense raising that full retirement age for maybe that younger generation. Because I can't tell you how many folks that, I mean, we all visit with mm-hmm. where, they're, where they're about to take their Social Security or they're currently receiving it. And they're really worried about it being means tested or being reduced. or And you know, what is the viability of their Social Security income? So I think raising that full retirement age, at least they're talking about it. I don't think a specific age was mentioned yet. But something else, too would folks be willing to have an increase in the overall wage base that their social security income is taxed on? Because for what, 2024, what you're taxed on, depending on your income, mm-hmm. you know, on your you, that social security payroll tax is taxed up to $168,600, which is up from 160,000 200 in 2023. You're so going like, to have to raise that. You're going to have to, it's being raised, Listen, but it's got to go higher. Based on how we spend, every time I pay taxes, I puke. 
sorry for your breakfast. I, I, I used to feel like it was my duty. Like I felt like I'm an American, I pay taxes. But just based on the decisions that are made in Washington, it's very hard now for me to do that. Uh, but I do know where my payroll taxes sort of should go because mm-hmm. I'm funding senior Americans to make that, to fulfill that promise. I'm sort of okay with that. So I do think that you can look to raise that payroll tax and tweak the full retirement age. For me, it's 67. For John, it's, what is it, 67 for you. Mm -hmm. What if you just went to, so if you were born, say, 1970 or later, right? You go ahead and tweak it to 68. I know, it sounds like I'm I'm just tweaking the thermostat. It makes a difference. That's not a big change. And if you want to make big changes in the future, start with the small one. Just based on mortality tables and how long people are living and how long people are working. Tweak it. Seven year. And no, I don't hear any of that kind of like, like someone saying, listen, if you're born after 1970, you're, we're just going to go from 67 to 68. Yeah. Make it clear so the other party can't politicize it and weaponize it. Clear, concise, straight to the point. You can't argue with what I'm giving you. 70, born in 1970 or later, 68 is the full retirement age. Go ahead and weaponize that. It makes sense Mm -hmm. based on what you did for those born in 1960 or later. That's all we got. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Lance back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care.